Six UN trucks carrying urgently needed aid have now crossed the border from Turkey into Syria. But the war-stricken country is still in a dire state after the massive earthquakes that have now killed more than 20,000 people. With many Syrians lacking clean water, shelter and food, the country is on the verge of a second disaster. Earlier, UNICEF's representative in Syria, New Zealander Angela Kearney, told me about the challenges. Just by chance, I happened to be in Aleppo when the earthquake struck at 4.15 on Monday morning. It's wintertime in Syria, freezing cold. It was really raining and and nasty and uh, massive tremor. Um, And, of course, many, many aftershocks uh, following that. So um, as the United Nations, we got into assessment mode very quickly, looked at what the needs were, and did emergency, um, we bought quite a lot of um, bandages and gauze and stuff in the local market to deliver to the operating theatre because they were running out theatres because they are running out really, really quickly. And at the same time, looked at uh, clean drinking water and other things that families need in such an emergency. So that's what we started with. And now, of course, much more into um, uh, the response mode the, the beginning was just checking it out, getting ready, and then just going for it. So now we have teams throughout north and northwest Syria just supporting our local communities and the vulnerable people in, in, in a very, very difficult situation. Has it been difficult getting aid to the right places in Syria? Um, quite a lot of us had pre-positioned stocks in warehouses anyway because uh, the population is vulnerable with all these years of war and then, of course, the latest uh, global financial crisis and, and, and problems of inflation that is hitting everywhere. So some of us had stuff in the warehouses we could get out. Um, in some areas, of course, roads were broken the um, places in, in the northwest that are served from Turkey, the roads were completely closed and blocked with snow as well. So it's the logistics of it all in the winter time, as well as a um, a very very scattered community. And it was quite different for me because it was in a large. A lot of the damage was in the city of Aleppo and the city of Latakia, which is on the Mediterranean, and um, those are massive urban areas with apartment blocks and it was individual apartment blocks that had collapsed killing or first of all maiming a lot of people and killing you know hundreds and and then um it's the damage in so many apartment blocks that people are not safe to go back into with the damage that was done and the continuous aftershocks that is still happening syria a war-torn country a country where the majority of people are in urgent need of humanitarian aid. What's your sense of how people are coping with this disaster now? I think it's just overwhelming and shocking for most people who were in the area that the areas that were most hit by the earthquake. You know, we 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 use the word sort of being resilient and it's true and kind of for me you get humbled by what you see with these people uh, their own people doing the most incredible work. The doctors who were operating, you know, left their own families, the lab technicians, the nurses, the orderlies, all of that to go and work in the hospital, and that's what's happening now. And, in fact, uh, in the most severe areas, they've turn, turned the churches and 
mosques and schools into reception centres for the emergency. And what was a school on a Sunday morning is now filled with this displaced people who have nowhere to go and they left their buildings at you know four in the morning and haven't been able to go back and it's cold so they need blankets and food and uh, they need uh, toilets and water and sanitation women need sanitary uh, napkins it just goes on and on and on so the the needs are overwhelming and for the Syrian people who've suffered so many years of war um, it's just another insult kind of to their own beings as I suppose the search for survivors uh, gradually turns to the search for bodies and the true scale of the disaster becomes more apparent, what are your concerns for the people of Syria? What do you think they'll need most urgently going forward? So the urgent needs are a shelter, so blankets and, 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 and a place to stay. We need a lot. We need clean water. We already have cholera here, which kills and, and is, it, it takes a lot of people's lives and makes them very sick. And that will come back with a vengeance in crowded areas. We're very worried for the children in um, crowded areas, of course, in the cold for upper respiratory tract infection. So they need antibiotics and early treatment and medical teams going around to see them every day. But as well as that, these kids really have suffered so much. It's scary in these aftershocks as well as the earthquake. So they're going to need some psychosocial support. So, you know, New Zealand's really good at it after the Christchurch earthquakes. But we have to, the teachers who are going to accept these children back into their schools, um, uh, there's a lot more violence in families in terms of uh, all of these extra stresses. Uh, sometimes violence in classrooms. So the you know the, the work ahead of us is absolutely huge. And just seeing in the children's eyes over the last two or three days is you know they they kind of forget and then they remember. And it's really tough for these people. They have had so long with war, and now this you know natural disaster in in the middle of winter is pretty awful. Angela, how are you feeling? I'm good. You know, uh, that's my job. I, um, yeah, I, 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 I like leading and I like supporting and I like listening. Uh, but you've just got to keep going and going um, because the needs are great. And I have incredible staff of Syrians who've been there and done it before and keep on absolutely inspiring me. But I'm absolutely fine. I'm well looked after. Let's look to the future of the region Obviously, uh, one riven with conflict, geopolitical proxy wars. Are you worried that, that you know, people are going to be forgotten about and left behind? Certainly. I just think that there's so many disasters in the world. And we saw um, the, the, the videos coming out of Turkey, the same earthquake as Syria. Um, we also all have Ukraine, but we have you know, Palestine, we have um, Yemen. I mean, there's so many, so many. And um, people's generosity is what helps us. So, you know, we, we there's a local fundraising with UNICEF New Zealand to try and just get another few dollars. And I think one of my kind of wishes is to ask us to really trust the United Nations, trust non-government organisations who've been in Syria 
for years, work with communities and understand the work. And so the money that people give generously will be used for the right people. It's always that kind of discussion in your head. If I give, can I guarantee? And I would like to say yes, that's what we're here to do, to do the accountabilities, to do the monitoring and to really keep it. So that's what keeps me going. You're an optimist then. I mean, in, in your heart of hearts, is that where you see this this going, the world pitching in? No, no I'm worried about money. I think that um, uh, uh, the needs are so great and um, we're going to have to keep on telling the story. You know, we have the, the, the 24 hours or the two weeks of the disaster and then it's kind of forgotten. And when these children go back to school, so many schools have displaced people at the moment whole families living in, in classrooms. Yesterday, um, I visited a school and they were cutting up the, uh, the, the desks and chairs for firewood. They're so cold. Um, so what happens when the school reopens? We've got to find uh, school furniture again. So you have to believe that there is hope and that we will be able to do the best for Syrian kids. Mm. And just lastly, looking even further on, the next decade, how do you see this humanitarian crisis in Syria developing? Yeah, we're hoping for peace and a, politi- uh, and a peaceful end to the war so that all people can live their lives freely and, and free of conflict. So that's what I hope. I'm not a politician and I'm not a strategic thinker on this stuff. In the meantime, we will have to support development. We have to believe in education. We have to believe in play. We have to believe in joy and take it forward. So it's going to be tough. You know, after war, it's always tough. 